Welcome to Facts Roundtable, a podcast dedicated to navigating life with food allergies across the lifespan. Presented in a welcoming format with interviews and open discussions, each episode will explore a specific topic, leaving you with the facts to know or use. Information presented via this podcast is educational and not intended to provide individual medical advice. Please consult with your personal board-certified allergist or healthcare providers for advice specific to your situation. Hi, everyone. I'm Caroline Mawasasi, and I am your host for the Fact Roundtable podcast. I am a food allergy parent, advocate, and the founder of the Grateful Foodie blog, and I am FACT's Vice President of Community Relations. Before we start today's very interesting conversation, I just want to pause for just a moment to say thank you to DBV Technologies for being a very kind sponsor of FACT's Roundtable podcast. Please note that today's guest was not sponsored by DBV or compensated in any way by the sponsor to participate in this specific podcast. Today, we're exploring mother-daughter conversations, what I wish you knew. Listen to college graduate daughter, Maya Kanoff, and her mother, Jill Midland, as they candidly share their thoughts on the question, what I wish you knew, as they discuss growing up with food allergies. We're focusing on their thoughts during elementary, middle, high school, and college days. Welcome back, Jill and Maya, to Facts Roundtable Podcast to share once again your authentic and genuine thoughts about living with food allergies, but this time is extra special since we're actually hosting both of you at the same time, and we've never done that before. Thanks so much. We're so happy to be here. Very exciting to be here with a new partner Mm -hmm. on the podcast, (laughs) my mom. How fun is that? So to help listeners get a feel for your food allergy life, Maya, can you share how long you've been living with food allergies? And if you don't mind including the allergens that you're allergic to and that you avoid, and then what life is like today with food allergies? Sure. So for those of you who don't know me, I'm Maya. I am 22 years old and I was first diagnosed with my food allergies at nine months old. Um, So I've been living with them for about as long as one can at 22 years old. And I'm allergic to eggs, peanuts, tree nuts, and sesame seeds, but I've outgrown a few. So for most of my life, I also avoided dairy. And then I've outgrown a couple of random little ones too, like mustard, shellfish, peaches. But the ones I still am allergic to are eggs, peanuts, tree nuts, and sesame. And the best way to describe what life with food allergies is like today is totally normal. Um, That's a huge thing I love to stress to people with food allergies, people without food allergies is sure I have this condition, I have food allergies, but that really doesn't make my life all that different from anyone else my age. Sure, there's extra steps I need to take to keep myself safe, but especially since I've been living with these for so long um, and I really don't know any different, um, life is normal, life is great with my food allergies. And thank you for sharing that last bit, because I think for our younger families with little ones, it just seems like this impossible mountain. And it always feels so good to hear such empowering statements from a young person like you. So thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's really important for a lot of us to hear. Of course. So now let's start our conversation by looking at Maya's younger years. So looking back at your elementary and middle school days, 
What was the one thing did you wish your mother knew at that time? I would have to say the one thing that I wish my mom knew at the time in those younger years is just that I appreciate everything she's doing. Because I think as a little kid, I probably never said those words of mom, thank you so much. I appreciate all you're doing. Because like I said, I didn't know any different. So to me, it was normal that my mom was working a full-time job and then also working a second full-time job as a food allergy parent to make sure I had safe food every day, make sure I had safe food at birthday parties, make sure I was able to go to school safely, ride the bus safely. Like that was all totally normal to me. I didn't realize that wasn't what everyone's parents were doing because that's what I was used to. So I really don't think I ever told her, thank you so much for doing all this to keep me safe. So that's the biggest thing. Now the crying begins. Okay. (laughs) I know, right? I'm just like, oh my goodness. That is beautiful. And if I can just add to that a little bit to let everyone listening at home know, one of my favorite stories, and I think my mom likes this one too, is also another thing I would have liked to have said to her back then is I'm listening and I'm learning from you. Because as early as I think it was pre-K when I was in, so four years old, my mom came into my nursery school to teach all of my friends in class and my teachers, but especially my classmates, you know, a very basic lesson on food allergies and how to keep Maya safe because we were going to be in the classroom together. And I had one friend who missed school that day. And so the next day when she came to school, my mom brought me to school and she said, oh, let's give a little quick lesson. I'm going to teach your other friend who missed school yesterday and missed the lesson. And I said, no, mommy, I got it. So even back then at four years old, I was listening to everything she was doing and trying my best to learn so that I could take on more of the responsibility eventually. You're a rock star. You were a rock star back then. Oh, my goodness. I remember she didn't thank me once, but she did come close. She asked me once and she was very little. I'm going to say maybe three years old when I was baking yet another batch of cupcakes to take to a birthday party so that she could have something safe to eat. And she just looked up at me and she said, mommy, why do you do all this stuff for me? And I, of course, said, because I love you. But I also said, because I'm modeling for you to see what you should do for your daughter. Because especially back then, the research kind of showed that Maya was 99% likely to have another child much like herself. Now I think the research has changed. It's not quite as clear. But back then, I thought, I need to not only take care of Maya and have her learn to take care of herself, but I need for her to learn how to take care of her children as well. Talk about forward thinking. That's impressive. And, you know, you said something so important too, that you're modeling. And I think we forget that as parents and caregivers, that they really are watching just like Maya was just saying. And that's just such a a key point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So now turning to you, Jill, what were you feeling and managing back then? And what do you wish Maya had known from your experience as a caregiver and as mom? Well, it's so funny. I was, as she mentioned, managing a full-time job and my second full-time job taking care of her, but it never felt that way. And I guess that's what I wish that she knew back then, that it wasn't a burden for me at all. Like everything that extra that I had to do for her to make things safe in school or in playdates or at birthday parties was all something special that I had. I had access that most parents didn't have. I got to go on every field trip and I got to be the class parent every year. I was invited into the classroom for all parties and special activities and even birthday parties outside the classroom. I always got to stay. 
even though there might not have been any other parents there, I never left. And I remember one party in particular, Maya was invited to a party at a cooking school that opened up in our town. It was a birthday party, cooking school place. And I remember when they opened, I thought, oh gosh, here comes another challenge. And sure enough, Maya and a little friend were both invited to the same birthday party at the cooking school. And the other mom said, well, that's one we won't be going to. And something about the way she said that just really, I don't know, sort of motivated me to feel the opposite. And I said, no, instead of saying no, let's see if we can make it happen. So I called the cooking school. I found out what they would be cooking. Turned out that they were going to be making Mickey Mouse pancakes. So I researched a safe pancake recipe and I went and I bought a Mickey Mouse shaped pancake maker and I brought everything along. And while that seems like it might be a burden, it was so empowering for me to see that I could make things like this work. It was really a joy and an honor to do it for her. Really, from then on, whenever Maya went to a party at that place, she had her own ingredients, her own cooking utensils, her own pots, pans. We went to the mall. She made cookies. Didn't matter. I had everything ready for her. It just felt great knowing that I could do that. And that's really what I hope to share with other parents so that they can start thinking about some of these things. I know it's so overwhelming, especially when they're little and you're thinking just, you know, how do I get her safely to nursery school tomorrow? But the fact of the matter is, all of this is doable for them. And instead of just saying, nope, can't do it, start by saying, yes, but how? How can we make this happen? Well, if it's a birthday party at a cooking school, call the cooking school. See what they're going to be cooking. Figure out how to make it safe for your child. So that's really what I what I want parents to know, that, that this is all doable as long as you take the time and do a little research. I think you just created a new mantra for us, you know, in saying, yes, but how? That is a fabulous motto. Yes, but how can we make this happen? So empowering. And you let the secret out too. It's really fun being able to go on the field trips. I always thought that was like a little secret, you know, that I just had. So now the secret's out, but I love it. I'm so glad you shared that. Thank you. So now, Maya, let's turn back to you. And now looking at your high school college years, what do you wish your mom knew about you and your allergies during that time? So this is a great question. I mean, my mom knows this now because we've talked about it. And I've mentioned this on the podcast before. But I think the biggest thing that I want to stress to other families is that in those later years, high school and college, and even now, when I'm taking on even more and now pretty much all of the load of managing my food allergies on my own, what is my comfort zone and what I, how I want to manage them may not be exactly how she thought I would. And so I think that that was something, a dynamic that we definitely struggled through together as I started to take on more of the responsibility. Like for example, a lot of times if we're going out to a party or an event when I was younger my mom would call ahead to the caterers and figure out how can we get a whole meal that Maya will be able to eat at the same time that her friends are eating so she won't feel left out and she can have a safe meal. And she would do all of this work and put on all this effort. And then sometimes I'd get to those parties and I wouldn't even find the case. I would always have a note on my phone. The caterer's name is this. The person who's there tonight's name is this. This is what your plate will look like in the kitchen. I'd have a whole note and I'd get to that party And sometimes I wouldn't even look for Rachel or Sarah, whoever the caterer was that I was supposed to find. Because for me, I would rather just be at that party and dance with my friends and then I'll eat dinner when I get home. Um, So that's one example of it. But 
there are so many other areas of life too, where that was the biggest thing I think that changed was just what her expectations were and what her comfort zone was regarding my food allergies and my life with my food allergies definitely shifted and changed in my own mind and eyes and how I manage my food allergies. So I think that that's something that families don't talk about a lot. Like parents just kind of expect this is what I've done my whole life or my child's whole life to keep them safe. So I'm going to teach them how to do it and they're going to do it exactly the same way. And that's not the case. I listened to what she did. I saw what she did and I use a lot of the same tools and strategies that she did, but I've adapted them to fit how I want to live my life moving forward. That's so funny. That's exactly what I was going to talk about the same point. And it was highlighted particularly when Maya went abroad to study in Spain. And, you know, I had spent what I believed was my entire life or her entire life uh, preparing her for going out to dinner by herself at restaurants and how to speak to the chef or the waitstaff or the manager and getting dining cards. So when she went abroad to Spain for several months, I did the same thing, but all in Spanish. I had everything that we had worked on together translated into Spanish, not just dining cards that say what she's allergic to, but sentences like, may I speak with the chef or I'm not comfortable. Can I speak, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought I had her all prepared and I was so excited and she left for Spain and I would ask her periodically, you know, have you tried any restaurants? And she really hadn't. And I was very upset about that. And when we went to visit her, she did go to restaurants with us together and we had a wonderful time and she was glad to do that. But when I said to her, you know, why haven't you gone to restaurants? I was kind of berating her. Like, you know, we've worked so hard so that you could go to restaurants. And she said, mom, that's not what I want to do. I understand that I am prepared. And if, you know, if my friends are going to a restaurant, I'm not going to stay home because of my food allergies. But the fact of the matter is we're all really busy here studying and, and learning the culture and meeting people. And I want to continue to do that. To me, it's not worth the risk to go out to dinner at a restaurant and risk possibly ending my stay here in Madrid. So for her, she really preferred, well, we did send her with probably two suitcases full of food. And then we brought one when we went to visit her in, mid, in mid-session. But she also did a lot of shopping there in the in the local supermarkets. And she had like a little microwave and stuff at the dorm where she could prepare some food. And that was probably like my aha moment about exactly what Maya was just talking about, that this is not my journey anymore. This was my journey for the first 18 years. Well, at some point it sort of was in transition, but the first part of her life, it was my journey as a parent of a child with food allergies. This now I made me realize this is now her journey and it's not necessarily going to be taken down the same road that I would imagine it to be taken down. And that's, that's really the most important thing that I learned. And, and I'm glad that we were able to talk through it and, and work through it together but I think it's vital for parents to realize that, that you can work as hard as you want to teach as much as you can, but they are ultimately going to take this journey in their own direction. And if I can just add to what my mom is saying here, another example that goes off of that is like what she, one of the biggest things that she helped me do when it was her journey of having a kid with food allergies is here at home, we knew all the restaurants in town where we felt safe eating. There's a handful of restaurants. It really hasn't changed all that much. As new restaurants come into town, we find new ones that I can eat at. But there's been the same like core group of restaurants that we know everyone who works there now. And she spent so much time helping me, mostly doing it herself because I was so young, find those restaurants. And so that's one part of like her food allergy strategy with me 
that has really stuck with me. And when I went off to college, I did the same thing in my college town. She helped me a bit there too. When my parents moved me into college my freshman year, we went to eat at a bunch of local restaurants to try and find ones that could be good go-tos. And I did the same thing in Madrid. So I didn't eat out every night when my my friends were going out to restaurants, but I did find three or four restaurants that I tried and I felt safe at. And so when I wanted to go out to eat and have a meal out, I would I would suggest one of those three or four that I felt comfortable with. So I always, always, always was finding that little pocket of like safety and comfort. And that's something that I 100% learned from what my mom did for me growing up. Because she's paying attention and listening. And that's a really great strategy. I think everyone needs to hear hear that. So Jill, do you have any other thoughts on this whole next chapter with you and Maya? Sure. I mean, the one thing that I would just say to other parents really that I want them to know is that um, really the communicate we talk about it's her journey, but it's the communication that helped us to learn that about each other. And that's what I really want to stress for parents to communicate with your child with food allergies and mostly listen more so than even speak, but listen because I think it would have saved a lot of stresses if I understood better, even as a kid, you know, like she was saying that I would always make sure that she had the same exact thing at a birthday party. Maybe that's not what she wanted. Maybe she really just wanted something that she's comfortable eating, like a slice of pizza, even if the kids were having chicken nuggets or whatever. So if I would have listened to her, and it's hard, obviously, when she was little, little, but I wish I had started listening to her sooner so that I could see how she wanted the journey to go even sooner than I did. But Really, that's the main thing. And the other thing I I would just point out, I I don't think we could stress this enough in any of our podcasts, listen to your child with food allergies, because a lot of stress is on these kids. And I just want to reiterate the importance of making sure to take care of not only the physical health of your child, but the mental health of your child. And if that means seeking help from a medical professional, do it. Don't hesitate. Don't. I know a lot of people have hangups about it, or they think that there's a stigma attached. It's imperative for these kids to maintain good mental health so that they can maintain their physical health. So I just wanted to stress that. And that's part and parcel of the communicating with the child, but that's just something really important that I didn't want to let go by. But la- and last thing is because it was, what do I wish Maya knew from me? Much like she wished that I knew how thankful she was. I wish that she knew how proud I am of her. That's all. But I think she probably does. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that's so sweet. <laughs> You know, sometimes we don't know, Maya, so <laughs> we we think you guys do, but we don't know. That's really nice. Well, we're coming to the end of our podcast, so before we wrap up, I'm going to ask each of you if there's anything else you would like listeners to hear from you. You already shared so many powerful tips, and I'm so appreciative for it, but I want to make sure that we haven't missed anything. So, Maya, is there anything you would like to leave our listeners with today? I really can't stress enough what my mom had just said about just the biggest thing is keeping that communication open with between your food allergic child and yourself, parents, because they have learned so much from you. But also, as my mom has figured out, she had learned a lot from me throughout our whole journey so far in these 22 years. And so just making sure that you're listening to each other and figuring it out together. And another thing that I've mentioned on other episodes of the podcast before, but I want to mention here too, is 
the journey doesn't have to be a straight line. It's not just my parents going to do everything from the time I'm diagnosed to the time I'm 12, 13, 14, whatever age it is. And then the parent's going to do nothing and the kid just takes it all on and runs with it. It's a lot less linear than that. And that's so okay. I still, even at 22 years old, sometimes will say to my mom, hey, we're going to this new restaurant. Do you mind calling them for me? Because there's still more I can learn from her. And sometimes, like my mom mentioned, there's a lot of stress on kids living with food allergies and anyone living with food allergies. And sometimes I just want to take the day off. And I also, on that note, just want to say thank you to my mom, because when she was doing it all for me, she didn't have that option to say, (laughs) you know what, I'm going to take the day off from managing your food allergies, because when I was so young, I couldn't do it myself. So that's a big luxury I have to be able to fall back on her when I need it or want it. And I'm very grateful for all of her help and support and love. It's truly my pleasure. That's so beautiful, Maya. And Jill, is there anything you would like our listeners to hear from you today? I think that's really it. Just listen, listen to your child and learn together. That is so key. So thank you to both of you for your time. I know this is a really busy time of year for everybody with travel and family. So we appreciate both of you coming together to talk to us today and to share your wisdom and beautiful experience so authentically and honestly with our listeners. So thank you so much. Our pleasure. Thanks for having us. Before we say goodbye today, I just want to thank DBV Technologies one more time for being a very kind sponsor of Facts Roundtable Podcast. Please note that today's guest was not sponsored by DBV Technologies or compensated in any way by the sponsor to participate in this specific podcast. Thank you for listening to Facts Roundtable Podcast. Stay tuned for future episodes coming soon. Please subscribe, leave a review, and listen to our podcast on Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Have a great day and always be kind to one another.